And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor, my honor. Today is Monday, January the 25th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 25, 1981, the 52 Americans held hostage by Iran for 444 days, they arrived in the United States. They had been released on the day that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated president of the United States. Jimmy Carter, as president, had tried repeatedly to get our American hostages out of there. He failed on every count. Ronald Reagan didn't even have to take action. The day he was inaugurated, Iran knew that that was probably a good day to get rid of the American hostages and move on to other things. They were right. Today in 1533, England's King Henry VIII, he secretly married his second wife, Anne Bolin, who later gave birth to Elizabeth I. Today in 1759, Scottish poet Robert Burns was born. Today in 1915, America's first official transcontinental telephone call took place. Alexander Graham Bell, who was in New York, he spoke to his former assistant, Thomas Watson, who was in San Francisco over a line that was set up by American Telephone and Telegraph, AT&T. Today, in 1945, World War II Battle of the Bulge, it ended as German forces were pushed back to their original positions. Also today, in 1945, Grand Rapids, Michigan, became the first community to add fluoride to its public water supply. Today, in 1949, the first Emmy Awards... You know, that's where Hollywood gets together and tells each other how great they are. Well, the very first one, honoring local Los Angeles TV programs and talent, were presented at the Hollywood Athletic Club. That grew into what we know as the Emmys today. It's interesting how that became more and more popular over a period of time, and then it began to decline, and it's in steep decline now. Nobody, I mean, relatively speaking, nobody watches the Emmys anymore. I certainly don't. I used to sort of check in on them years ago, just out of interest, particularly when we lived in the area and were in the church there in North Hollywood. But I don't know. I think people have just, I mean, there's there's not a greater display of narcissism on this planet than when these people congratulate one another for what they haven't accomplished. Today in 1959... American Airlines began Boeing 707 jet flights between New York and Los Angeles. Today in 1971, Idi Amin seized power in Uganda by ousting President Milton Obote in a military coup. That's an important time in my life because I was spending a lot of time in, not in Uganda, but certainly in Kenya that shares a border. And I was on the west side a lot of Kenya, out on their western area of the border, out of Nairobi. And um, I remember well when this happened. I was there in the 70s. We were building churches in a number of the villages and some of the larger towns in western um, Kenya at that time. And you could look. In fact, in one town where we built a school, a Bible school and a, and a church in Kasumu, Kenya, you could look across Lake Victoria and you could look over, you could see Uganda. I mean, the locals were pointing it out to me. 
And I remember there was a highway that ran through there that went into Uganda, and these these trucks kept just daily. They were coming, bringing all kinds of weapons and war materials and stuff from Russia through Kenya into Uganda after Idi Amin had taken over. And some of the locals there had relatives that lived over there in in um, in Uganda and local Christians. And I was working with them, living with them at the time for that period of time. And um, they were telling me that this Idi Amin, they said, man, he's really a bad guy. He He's a, a cannibal. And they told stories about that. It later was in the news a year or so later. But uh, it was generally known out there locally that this guy was a bad guy. But anyway, he took over the country. But I, I say that to say that as a result, he was taken out later. But Uganda is one of the most Christian nations. Certainly Kenya is too. But one of the most Christian nations on the continent of Africa today because people were driven to their needs and to seeking help because this guy was was horrible. He was demonic. In fact, many of the Christians I know that, as I said, had family members there across the border they said he was demon-possessed, and I believe he was. But through that time, it was a very, very difficult time for the people in Uganda. So many people accepted Christ, and today Uganda is one of the most Christian nations in in uh, the continent of Africa. God brings good out of evil. Today in 2004, NASA's Opportunity rover it zipped its first pictures of Mars to Earth, showed a surface smooth and dark red in some places. You probably remember that. I do. It showed a surface that was strewn with fragmented slabs of light and bedrock in some of the other other pictures. It was very interesting, uh, very interesting uh, pictures that we saw back in 2004. We do live in troubled times. There's no question about it. I do not believe that we are experiencing what Uganda experienced back in the 70s with Idi Amin. But these are very difficult times. And while the people in control of America may not be demonic, they are certainly walking down some paths that are not in the best interest of the people of America. And they are certainly contrary to the principles of God, biblical principles. There is a lot of distress today, particularly in the Christian church, and there are those who are trying to seize the moment to advance their own personal agenda under the guise of church leadership. And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That w- but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. That's for you this morning, and for all of us, who are experiencing the stress of the days in which we live. These are perilous times. They are in some ways unprecedented for America, for sure. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
I just wanted to say this to those of you who are listening, and there's a wide variety of people listening. I read your notes that you send in sometimes with your contributions. And I know some of you don't necessarily share my point of view, a conservative biblical point of view. Most of you do, thankfully, I think. But there are those who don't. And I just want to tell you that the path that you embrace, and I know you're listening to me some to be critical, and that's fine, but the path that you embrace, the path of the religious left, is a path ultimately to destruction. It is not a path to wholeness, to health, to unity, for sure. It is a path to destruction. And oftentimes it is disguised as a spiritual path on which these people set in front of others who have, those who have power. So don't be deceived. Just listen, listen up with an open mind. Don't be so set in your way that all conservatives and people who actually believe the Bible are, as Barack Obama described us, people who cling to their Bibles and their guns. Yeah, we have Bibles and we have guns, a lot of us. But that really, the gun part doesn't have a lot to do with our spirituality, but it does have to do with common sense. And it does have to do with the fact that we we take the Constitution seriously. We believe in the Constitution and we find that we have a right to have guns and there are all kinds of reasons to have them, none the least of which is to hunt, kill animals <laughs> and eat them. But that doesn't make us some kind of, you know, outcast. So listen, listen up with an open mind and see what God may say to your heart. We'll get back to that in a moment. Last night there was an uproar in Tacoma. A few businesses in Tacoma were vandalized, in fact a number of them, by Antifa. They gathered last night. It was a day after videos posted to social media showed a Tacoma City police officer driving through a crowd that after they surrounded his SUV when the officer was trying to respond to a drag racing event in Tacoma. That's happening a lot around the country. It was happening back in the 50s. I know a guy that was a teenager back in those days, but he was out in the country, not in the city. But in either case, it's not right, it's it's wrong, and it can be very harmful. So this police officer was trying to break up this drag racing event in, in Tacoma on Saturday night. And so last night, the Antifa crowd responded because he this officer, I don't know what all the motivations were. I think that some of it will come out, but he drove through the crowd. And I think he hit one person and, and injured some, which it seems to me that was not the right approach. But anyway, this crowd gathered at Frost Park. They blocked off intersections, set fire to trash containers and all of that. The police didn't respond at first. They came later. There's about 120 people there. The press is saying this morning they started to march around the city's theater district. When they passed businesses, there were some in the crowd. Most of them didn't do it, but enough did. They smashed windows, graffitied walls. The crowd was made their way then into residential areas of Tacoma. They were chanting at residents to come out of their homes and join the march. That's so typical of the left. I mean, that's what they do. They demand this. They stole an American flag off one of the, it was on the window of one of the businesses. And they lighted the, the flag on fire, burned it. Police showed up. 
the Antifa crowd taunted the officers that were there. The crowd left pretty much on its own without the police having to take any hard action against them, causing more damage to private property. King 5 is reporting this morning that two people were hospitalized after the officer drove through the crowd on Saturday night. He's been placed on administrative leave. Like I said, that's kind of the spirit of what's happening across our nation today, a spirit of lawlessness. But there's also a spirit of deception. And I want to talk about the church today and what's happening within the church in the Trump-Biden era. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of this ministry. If you did not support it, we wouldn't be here. It's that simple. And um, so I encourage you to stand with us. These are very sometimes complex times. They need to be sorted out, and we need to have some clarity. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do claim that the Bible does. And to the best of our ability, every day we look at what's happening in our culture through the lens of God's Word, because that is the only thing that will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, and certainly this culture will. God's Word will not. And we, So we try to take a look at what's going on in our culture through the lens of God's Word and God's truth. We try to explain what's happening and talk about it on this program. And I want to thank all of you who make this program possible. You are the sponsors of this program. And each month, if we don't hear from you, there is that risk that it would end because we will not go in debt. Uh, that would not be God's will for us. We get a little behind sometimes, but to go in debt would be to get increasingly behind a month or two or whatever. So that's not going to happen because that isn't what God has called us to do. So thank you for standing with us. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't know the words to adequately express how much I appreciate you're standing with us in this program each month. And I would encourage you to do so. As I mentioned the other day, we're not exactly where we should be at this point in this month, budget-wise. So thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. They're America's largest Protestant denomination. He says the Christian church must recover credibility of our witness post-Trump. In other words, now that we've got Trump out of the way, we have to recover our credibility of our witness. Our witness to what? To Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Moore's warning to the church is featured in the upcoming February 1, 2021 issue of Time magazine. It's coming out soon to a newsstand near you. It carries the title, Theologian Russell Moore Has a Message for Christians Who Still Worship Trump. That's the headline. That says it all. Millions of people don't read magazines anymore, but they most often read the headline. Time magazine knows that. That's why they said those words on the headline. Do millions of people worship Trump? A closer look. And I want to talk to you today in defense of the church and our witness. Not so much about Trump, 
but I want you to be informed because God wants us all to be informed. The Time article is more about more than Trump or the church because his position fits well with the positions of Time magazine and the press generally in regard to the biblical evangelical church. They want to marginalize us. They want to set us over and out of the mainstream of thought in America. Russell Moore, of all people, should not be the person that's giving them fodder for their quest against evangelical Christians, but he is. They note that Moore has always been a never-Trumper, supports impeaching now-departed former President Trump, and supports charges of insurrection against him. He is Mitt Romney, except Mitt is a Mormon, and Moore is a Baptist. The entire Time Magazine storyline is built around the quote-unquote fact that the evangelicals who voted for and supported Trump, quote, I'm quoting them now, worshipped Donald Trump, and now leadership is calling them to task. Moore's comments do nothing in that Moore didn't say that, Time is saying that, but they're saying it on the authentication of all the other things that Moore is saying. He said nothing in this article to in any way challenge that notion that millions of people who voted for Trump worship him. And the the problem that they're outlining is that they still worship him. So we have to restore the church from their worship of Trump and redirect them toward their worship of God. That's the message that Time Magazine is putting out, and they're using the words of Russell Moore. He doesn't speak for me, I can tell you for sure, and I know a number of Southern Baptists for whom he does not speak either. Believe me, they feel as strongly about this as I. I'm not a Baptist, but they feel as strongly about this as I do. In a follow-up interview with the Christian Post, Moore said, I don't know a single family. The Christian Post asked him about this, and they wrote an article about it the other day. And in it, Moore is telling the Christian Post, it's not in time, it's in, this is in Christian Post. But he said, I don't know a single family that's not been divided over President Trump and the politics. Well, I do. I know it's been a divisive time. I understand that. But I know families that aren't. I probably don't know as many people as he knows, but for starters, my own family is not divided over President Trump and politics. We discuss it. Oh, man, do we discuss it. We have three kids, and they all have kids. And we talk about politics. And, I mean, we really go at it. We don't argue necessarily, but we have strong Marjorie and I taught our kids, all three of them, to have very strong ideas and principles by which they would live. And we taught them the principles that we felt were the best for them, and it's biblical principles. And boy, it took. They all embraced that, and they all are conservative. They are all biblical. They all love the Lord. And our family isn't divided over it. But I understand that some are. Many are. I understand that. I get that. Our kids sometimes overwhelm me with their strong opinions, of which I don't. I don't disagree. But a lot of families have been affected by this. And I'm aware of that. And they've been torn apart by the current political climate. But to suggest that all Christian families have been torn apart is simply not true. There are families that aren't. But even in the context of some that are, I don't know anyone who worships Donald Trump. There may be some, probably are some, but I don't know who they are. 
I've never seen one identified Christian evangelical that worships Trump. I suppose there's some people who would worship Hollywood celebrities that would also find themselves worshiping him. This is the most stupid thing I've ever seen a Christian leader say to the public media. It isn't helpful to the kingdom of God, and it's not helpful to we Christians here on earth who are trying to be faithful to the Lord. But I will tell you, is he only listening to Jim Wallace and those who follow him on the religious left movement? He's certainly in agreement with much of what they believe and their credibility and their biblical authority are questioned by most biblical pastors and leaders. Include me in that group. I question what they say. Jim Wallace, Tony Campolo, and Russell Moore. I don't know what's the matter with these people. They claim on the one side of their mouth to love and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to his word, and yet on the other side of it, they, while they are calling for unity, they are ripping the Christian community. Russell Moore knows better. He knows that Christians don't worship Trump. That's a crazy statement, and he allowed himself to be used to put that message out beyond the Christian community into the secular community to people who already hate us because we follow Jesus Christ. I wish he wouldn't do that. He's being presented by the secular media as someone who generally speaks for Christianity and more specifically speaks for evangelical Christianity. Well, I can assure you he doesn't speak for me. And I hope he doesn't speak for you. And if he does, ask God to forgive you because that isn't biblical, the positions he's taking and the way that he is using this crisis in America to advance himself, not the kingdom of God. He advocates that the church is in a crisis now because, I'm quoting him, they don't believe that we believe, the secular community, they don't believe that we believe what we say we believe. Well, let me be clear. I believe what I say I believe, and I think you do too. The hypocrisy of evangelicals who supported Trump, he says, is damaging our witness to the world. Moore says this is an entire generation of people who are growing cynical that religion is just a means to some other end. Well, I don't believe that. And if they believe that, that's why we share the gospel and that's why we involve ourselves and insert ourselves into the culture because Jesus himself told us that we are, not to become, but that we are light and salt in a rotten culture. Let's take a sip from the cup of reality and truth and discover why millions of evangelicals voted for Trump in the first place. But I don't know a single one that worships him. And if you're going to worship somebody, why would you choose him? President Biden has vowed to codify Roe v. Wade on the 48th anniversary of the, of the abortion ruling. That was Friday. Friday, the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, President Biden vowed to back abortion. These are his words. Back abortion with a codified federal law in the event the U.S. Supreme Court overturns the ruling. I would ask Russell Moore, should we then have voted for Biden as you probably did or set out the election, which is in violation of Scripture that tells us to whom much is given, much is required? We have the beauty, the beauty and the honor of still being able to vote. Yes, we are questioning the validity of some of the ballots in this last election, but we have that gift from God. And to set it out is not what God would have us to do. And certainly 
voting for someone who stands against every single principle of life and marriage and family. That isn't God's will. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to figure that out. In a statement on Friday, President Biden said the Biden-Harris administration is committed to codifying Roe v. Wade and appointing judges that respect foundational precedents like Roe. In the past four years, reproductive health, including the right to choose, has been under relentless and extreme attack. Well, that's why we voted for Trump. Not because we worship him, because he promised to take a stand for the sanctity of life, and we thought, well, maybe he will. And we voted for him, and he did. That's not worship, Mr. Moore. That's just common sense. Biden continued, we are deeply committed to making sure everyone has access to care, including reproductive health. That's the big lie of of our times. Reproductive health is abortion. It's killing unwanted babies. Let's get real. Mr. Moore and all the rest of us on the religious left, you've got to get real. You've got to get past your bias. You've got to take another clear-headed, honest look at Scripture. But you're unwilling to do that. The Catholic Church is not happy about this. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops reacted to Biden in the same way that biblical evangelicals reacted. Archbishop Joseph Newman of Kansas City, he said, quote, last week, he said it's deeply disturbing and tragic that any president would praise and commit to codifying a Supreme Court ruling that denies unborn children their most basic human and civil right, the right to life, under the euphemistic disguise of a health service. Dr. Fauci, who has become the centerpiece of Biden's administration in regards to all things medical, including abortion, last Thursday, Dr. Fauci, he's the director, officially the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Now he's Biden's head, as I said. He's his coronavirus guy, but he's also speaking for him on matters of abortion and other kinds of medical procedures. He announced that Biden will be rescinding his predecessor, that would be Trump, pro-life policies. Fauci told the board of members of the World Health Organization that the administration will repeal the Mexico City policy in coming days. That opens the door for America to support abortion all over the world. Fauci went on to say, he said, it will be our policy, he said, our policy, to support women and girls' sexual and reproductive health and reproductive rights in the United States as well as globally. He said this is all part of a larger vision that, quote, as part of his broader commitment, his Biden commitment to protect women's health and advance gender equality at home and around the world. Washington Post is saying in a story, Biden's ambitious LGBTQ agenda poises him to be the nation's most pre pro equality president in history. I'm out of time, but Russell Moore, you need to take off some time and rethink where you're coming from because you are misleading Christians. Don't be misled. Be informed, but not misled. Well, I wish I had another half hour or so to talk, but I don't. Thank you for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.